Why sit in traffic when you can ride transit? With improved service on the Metro and fare-free rides on Dash, traveling in and around the Capital Region has never been easier. Did you know that you can map your commute around the DMV using any mode of public transit? Yellow Line service is back on track in Alexandria with a new stop at the Potomac Yard VT Metro Rail Station. Getting around Northern Virginia has never been easier. Leave the car keys and stress at home and hop on a train, bus, or bike. Plan your trip at NovaRides.org. On today's episode, I'm joined by Didi, Head of Nutrition at March On. Didi, thank you so much for being here and joining me today. It is a pleasure. Thank you for having me. No, awesome. I uh, yeah, really appreciate you, you getting back to us and agreeing to this episode because there's two really cool elements from yourself that I'm looking forward to chatting to. Um, and firstly, that's you didn't obviously start off in the fitness industry, did you? This wasn't your first career path. No, no, I did not. Um, no, I was a, a veterinary nurse in another life. I went to uni to study veterinary nursing, so that's why I have a bachelor's degree in originally. Um, and I transitioned from that after about oh, six years, maybe when I was like 24. I went into teaching for a year, absolutely hated that. Then took a bit of a break, came back, did a lot of extracurricular things like yoga, um, sports massage, level three PT. So I had uh, various things that I could draw upon. So I just chose the opportunity to redirect one's life as such. Yeah, brilliant. And that gap involved going to Asia, am I correct? In um, I went to India. So yes, I, I did my um, yoga teacher training course there. So a 200 hour course. So I was there for uh, a month, which was amazing. And then when I came back, I, I kind of set up a sports massage business and then kind of got in, in, in touch with March on the gym in, in terms of offering a nutrition support and then it just kind of went from there yeah brilliant I mean obviously I think that's really relevant so thank you for sharing that because as I said to you on the call beforehand I think now more than ever I'm getting people reaching out to me kind of asking how to get into the industry I'm yeah. not really too sure maybe why that is I think people are a little bit fed up with the corporate world in general <laughs> aren't they so what was it for you that made you think okay maybe I want to do something a bit different it was a really intense career. I was working in a, an emergency sort of 24-hour hospital. My entire life was saving animals' lives. It was very, you know, night shifts, intense. Are those things I feel like you in your, in your young 20s, like you can do that stuff. But as soon as you start to get mid-20s into your late, you're like, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? And I don't know. I, I still love animals. I, you know, they're, they're a huge passion of mine, but I, I don't think I'd maybe appreciated that that was a passion and maybe there were other things that I wanted to do and I changed a lot as I, as I grew you know I had other interests I dipped my toes into the fitness world and thought wow it's there are other things in life I like so it, it's it's really brave and, and to hear you sort of say you get get a lot of those it's kind of exciting right to yeah. to feel people's braveness especially you know as women and kind of men breaching out and following their dreams and heart, I've always been a firm advocate of that. So it's cool to see people do that. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. I, I really admire people that, you know, 24 is obviously not old at all, <laughs> is it? But a lot of, you know, like myself, a lot of us in the industry get qualified at 18, 19. Yeah. It's the first job you've ever had. So did it seem scary at all, changing what you'd already been to university for? I imagine obviously you would have worked really hard, studied hard to get the degree. Like, Did, did it seem mm. scary to change industries after spending that much time on veterinary nursing? It did. Um, my my downfall was that it became my identity, right? I think at a certain young age, you do. You Whether it's sports or, or a certain career you, you adopt, it was my entire world. I had no existence outside of not being Dee Dee the veterinary nurse, saving animals' lives 24-7. It was all day, every day I showed up, gave my heart and soul to it, which is 
you know, I, I look back with compassion, but I, I just had no no other aspects of my life, yeah. which, you know, it gets to a point where you, you have that self-awareness just as growing in age mm. to step back and be like, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is quite what my life should be like. Um, so, yeah, I think it was more uh, just realizing that my, my whole self-worth and identity isn't a career and it's not mm. that, you know, I am not my job. Um, it's something that I love and I have passion for, but there's other things I can explore. Yeah, no, for sure. Would you say you have a bit of a better, well-rounded balance of that now that you're in the fitness industry? Is there kind of more more elements to you or have you just kind of replaced the veterinary nursing with Didi, the, the coach? Oh, uh, initially, absolutely not. There was zero balance. No, <laughs> I, I was your classic, just transitioned one addiction as such yeah. into another, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm a very driven type a personality all or nothing like i will give my heart and soul to something so you know my identity in those first few years was just fitness you know like that's what i enjoyed i pursued i didn't really look very inwards from a what do i need is this fulfilling me what kind of route do i want to take with coaching it was just very much what's my next goal keep moving forward very distracted um so yes those first few years as any learning process is no it was not a I'm now Zen, entering my my world of you know cognitive development and, and growing as a person. I, I definitely was still too young and yeah. I guess naive enough to not. Yeah, would you say you've got there? Got there now. How how are things now with the overall kind of balance and identity? It's better. I mean, I don't want to say that's an age thing, but I'm 32, so I you know I'm not I'm not 22 anymore. When I, I entered this business, when you know I was. Uh, I think I was about 23 or 24 when I started in the fitness industry. Um, and to see just how much things have changed, not even just me as a person, it's it's, it's crazy, the growth that something can have over, you know, a decade of, of being and watching in it. Yeah. Yeah. And 10 years is a long time to get better at anything, isn't it? But I yeah. feel like the fitness industry in particular, if you surround yourself with people like you have mm. at March on that, you've got kind of no choice but to but to grow or, or you know, be better and, and raise the standards, as you guys say over there, right? So... Yeah, absolutely. We're not a, a slow-paced brand. We have such, you know, ambition, and that's, you know, clearly why I'm there. That that suits me as a personality, and 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 I love it. So, yeah, it, it's you know those types of people gravitate towards towards it. It's why we're an incredible team. The people in it are just such unique personalities, and and we all complement each other in terms of what we do. I mean, that's why the brand is is what it is. Yeah, brilliant. Um, I'd love to circle back around to that if that's okay at the end and kind of see if you've got any advice um, for girls or guys listening that sure. are considering like, okay, maybe I'm having this bit of an identity crisis. Maybe <laughs> I want to get into the fitness industry. Maybe I've had enough of the corporate world or whatever it is. If they're considering that transition, it'd be great to hear if you've kind of got any any advice for that person. But we'll circle back to that because what I'd love to obviously chat to you about today is kind of your work at March On and in particular your, your coaching, mm-hmm. nutrition um, regarding females. So yeah, tell me a little bit more about the role and, and what it is that that you're doing at the moment well again you know I have a little bit of of time in this this industry now and and if I'm to reflect on my coaching back in the day when I first entered it was very just black and white macros transformations very externally driven didn't really touch upon the behavioral aspects of of people's nutrition and their behaviors around it so it was his calories his macros I was very fresh out of nutrition science and like Macros are the best thing since I spread. Like everyone needs to track my fitness pal's amazing. You can scan things. We've like all been there. I need to tell everybody about this. And that did well for a demographic of my coaching, right? But there was still a large amount that didn't 
get long-term results. And after a few years of coaching, you should really have the self-awareness to reflect back and be like, what am I missing here? And I did. And, and that's why I lean now so much on kind of understanding why people do what they do, especially, you know, with, with women and, you know, how, how things in the industry have changed, our perceptions of our bodies, our, our relationship with food. There's just all these things that I don't think traditionally we're used to thinking about. I think the, the nutrition world is still very, to some degree, black and white. We're st- still adopting a lot of things that maybe, you know, bodybuilding, nutrition, meal plans, yeah. chicken, broccoli and rice. I mean, we could be here all day on that yeah. stuff. So, yes. Yeah. So what does it look like, a, a, you know, the the average, not that there is obviously an average, but the average kind of gem pop, real world female, you yeah. know, not trying to be an athlete, wants to kind of work with you, that they, they want to lose some weight, get healthier, mm-hmm. improve their relationship with food. Yeah. I know you've obviously got some awesome qualifications kind of in more of that behavioral um, side of things. Like what does that kind of starting process look like for you? Like how do you start working with a, a female client on their relationship with food, but simultaneously kind of maybe achieve that that weight loss goal? It's hard, right? You do have to separate them to some degree. And I'm not going to sit here and and say that, you know, you can do both magically together. For for me as a coach, it's important to see, like, what is the priority here? And where are the barriers towards them actually getting their goal? Say if that is fat loss, if they're going to constantly be consumed by their emotional eating and they can't deal with the stresses they've got in life, you know, at work, I'm going to be flogging a dead horse. Like, I'm not going to get anywhere with them. So... It depends on, on the degree of where they're at, you know, what what's their behaviour? Have they had it for 10, 20 years? Sometimes these things have been there, yeah. whether that's diet culture or, you know, generationally inherited, seeing what your mum did and all the slimming worlds and, you know, the cup of soups and a couple of almonds. Like, it depends on what you've absorbed. Yeah. So I guess my initial focus is to just, for me as a coach, to either have like an intake form that gives me a couple of questions that I can dissect that. And then that's where the the one-to-one nature of being on Zoom calls and Mm. kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of it comes from. Yeah. So would you say if someone was listening to this and they were kind of trying to work through this themselves, would you say that's still a valuable task? Like they should sit down and kind of reflect on their previous dieting history, what information they've been exposed to? Absolutely. It's the first stage. Self-awareness is, if you don't have that, then you you aren't getting anywhere long-term. You may get somewhere short term not doing that, but for long term successful, I guess fat loss. If we're if we're having that as a goal, you need to understand why things haven't got, or why things haven't worked out previously, and why you're still going back to maybe the same things that you've tried previously and haven't worked. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's definitely the correlation I see between the clients that get the twelve week transformations and the the ones that are working with me five to eight years later. Yeah, is, is yeah, is self awareness. So what can someone do to develop that in specifically, I guess in general, but also specifically in the context of their health and fitness journey? Are there any tasks that you get clients to do? Are there any questions that they can ask themselves? I say I try to gauge what their level of self talk is like. I know that's a kind of a bit deep to initially throw out, but how do they view themselves, right? Because food is literally a mirror image of, of, of how you treat yourself, think about yourself, respect yourself. So I can look at somebody's day of eating and make some pretty accurate assessments of what they think about them. Do they honor themselves enough to eat regularly in their day? What's the nutrient quality of it like? How sporadic is it? Is there any emotional eating? What are their choices? It tells me a lot about an individual. So... Even if somebody's super structured or rigid with it, you know, they, they eat repetitively, like, that gives me a key insight into probably like where mindset wise I need to get them to, to either 
get through barriers that are why they haven't gone to where they have been um, or to, to see what I need to do to, to fix any, any issues with them. Yeah, no, brilliant. So would you say that you're seeing a bit of a correlation between people that don't prioritise meal times for themselves throughout the day and maybe a little bit less self-worth like they view the work or other people as more important than them and subsequently their own nutrition they may not realize it but yeah i'd definitely say there's a correlation 100 percent. yeah it, it can lead to some difficult conversations can't it as the coach especially with <laughs> someone that you maybe haven't known for that long yet yeah so like how, how do you kind of maybe for like the coaches listening or, or for people listening that want to support like a friend or a loved one through this yeah how can you kind of have those conversations in a way that's you know understanding and, and empathetic do they want that advice in the first place like i think i think as a coach we just want to help everybody right and yeah I mean, guilty of that exactly <laughs> like we you know we're in this industry because we want to help we're empathic like we we, we care but sometimes if that's not like if that's not asked for or received you do have to take that step mm. back um just just as an example my mom's doing slimming world at the minute so so i find that hilarious just yeah, for my own exactly right i mean so, i think i'm going to use it as a comedy routine but y y you're not responsible for other people right and a lot of my distress as a coach when i first started it was i just took all of that on board like their problems were my problems. If I couldn't fix that, then that meant something about me and my mm. identity as a coach. So I definitely had to work on that because you just wouldn't sleep. Yeah, it gets draining quickly, doesn't it? Oh, God, it? yeah. You Spend burn out within, I don't know, a month, a few weeks. And I was getting that way because I was like, I care so much, but you probably care more than them to some degree. Yeah. So you have to have boundaries. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, what you said earlier about sometimes having to separate the relationship with food mm. and, and weight loss is almost two separate goals. Mm -hmm. so I love that. I completely agree. Is that you saying that sometimes you will have a client come to you with a weight loss goal and you will say to them actually in phase one or however mm -hmm. you word it to them, we need to not focus on weight loss and focus on your relationship with food in, instead? Is that sometimes an approach you take with, with clients? Yeah, I'll, I'll periodize it. Like for, for example, I have a client now who who's who wants to pursue fat loss and that's totally fine but her history looking back you know I'm sat there going why would we do this right now like this might be a goal you want and I'm not here to dictate that I'm here to facilitate it but let's spend a couple of weeks either getting rid of some of the food rules you've got around eating some of the beliefs you might have adopted maybe you're aware of them maybe you're not I'll help you see them in some of the language you use to me when you talk about food um but that you know that could be a a two-week thing it could be a four-week thing it could be a year thing before they get to the point where yeah do you know what if I engage in dieting this isn't just going to take me back to square one again yeah how do you I guess almost like sell that to someone if they've mm. come to you with a weight loss goal at what stage do you say to them hey maybe we're not in a position to lose weight is it is it before they sign up is it after they sign up and maybe that becomes a bit clearer from their intake forms and and how do you kind of get them on board with we need to maybe try a little bit of a different approach this time well they want fat loss i'm here for that if i don't get them fat loss and i'm a terrible coach like sure they may want relationship with food but I, i'm not here to change the goal for them so Sure, if, I, if I'm on a call with them and they're like, right, my, my goal is fat loss and I see some evidence of things that maybe I think are a bit red flags, a barriers to them being successful, I'll, I'll tell them. Like, I'm honest with them. It's part of building a rapport. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to immediately week one go, yeah, we're not doing that. Nah, let, let, let's, let's just, let's go here instead of where you want. Like, you, you have to facilitate the journey. Um, you know, 
I'm the vehicle, they're the driver, I'm, I'm not going anywhere or I'm going to be driving into a brick wall if I don't give them what they want to mm. some degree. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of meeting them halfway, isn't it, and, and, and where they're at. And yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah, it is their goal at, at the end of the day. What, what are some of those red flags that you're looking for? So if someone listening to this is thinking, okay, I've tried dieting a few times before, haven't mm. maybe been successful with it, potentially that's because I'm not really in a position to diet, maybe psychologically or physiologically, but they're like, not really too sure. What are some of those red flags that you're looking out for that would make you go, hey, maybe right now aiming for weight loss or tracking or whatever is probably not the best thing for you? Well, let's take a woman as, a, as an example, right? Fat loss, they come to me, I, I've got a question in my questionnaire of like, what's your menstrual cycle like at this point? They've got no menstrual cycle, they haven't had it for a year and a half. And I'm like, okay why like let's just understand what is your body communicating to you that either you may be aware of you haven't really thought about it you didn't realize it was important so they are you know physiological symptoms and there are psychological symptoms red flags right it's either a behavior or I get super anxious when I go out to eat on a menu I freak out I can't eat carbs I think I'm going to gain fat as soon as I, I eat a chocolate bar oh but then I want to lose you know 20 kilos yeah. So that's my job to be like, okay, how much of this is affecting you right now in your in your day to day? Is it taking up a lot of your headspace? Are you particularly stressed with it? It's their quality of life, right? Mm. I'm, I'm, it's a duty of care as me as a coach to sort of be aware of that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's some great psychological kind of red flags there. I'd, mm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the the, the physiological ones. So obviously, yeah, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah, your body's not happy definitely don't want to be going into a calorie deficit mm -hmm. um elaborate on that a little bit more if that's okay like what other kind of menstrual cycle and, and hormonal red flags might females be experiencing because in, in my experience of working with quite a lot of female clients now a, a, a good few hundred they often because these symptoms are so common right a lot of the time they they don't see them as an issue they mm. think they're just normal oh my friend experiences that um you know and subsequently they don't see it as an issue so what are some of those other red flags physiologically that, that women might be experiencing well, they could be things like extreme tiredness, fatigue. They're not recovering from their training sessions. The majority of my demographic are, are women that are training a lot. They can either be, you know, doing double sessions, CrossFit athletes, or in in that kind of realm, or you know, they can just be a, a weekend warrior and you know, kind of go, goes to a, um, regular classes at the gym. But it's how is their body responding to that? So, do they are they tired all the time? Is how's their sleep? Um, are they mentally fatigued? Can they get through a day? Do they need to live off caffeine for the majority of it? What's their stress response like? Heart rate. Um, so yeah, it, it, it sounds crazy for a nutrition coach to be saying you take all those things into account, but I can't not at this point, right? Like health is so multifaceted. If I only mm. focus on one thing, it's ambitious of me to expect that, but that's the service I give is I need to look at all the facets of health. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of people just think that obviously more training and a better diet, better being subjective here, mm, like less yeah. calories, more restrictive, they just automatically correlate that with being better, right? Healthier. Yeah. Um, they don't often understand that, that more dieting and more training can actually be detrimental and, and, and arguably have just as many negative consequences as, you know, as, mm. as, as being the other way, right? You can overtrain and overdiet yourself to, to hypothalamic amenorrhea, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So... Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something which I feel like more and more females are are starting to understand a, a little bit. Do you kind of see that 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 shift and that trend where females are understanding that doing more sometimes isn't always better for them? Or do you still think a lot of the time your clients are coming to you thinking they need to be pushing harder, training more, dieting harder? 
no, I think you're right. The, the, the shift is definitely there, which is positive. I think yeah. that's because women are embracing maybe more strength training and, and, and weights and being in the gym and not just a lot of cardio or some of the, you know, the, I guess the 90s brain of just being on a treadmill for an hour a day and experiencing, you know, the, the issues with that. But it, it's difficult as a woman to kind of look at how you perceive yourself, your body image, the repetitive cycle of like restrictive dieting is going to leave you on metabolism pretty short. So often or not, you might be in a healthy place too, but then you try and engage in those things again and you get no results. So I'll get very frustrated women being like, dude, I'm doing everything. I'm Maybe I'm tracking, maybe I'm doing these things. And I'm just not getting anywhere. And it's hard to be like, it's just not a deficit. Yeah. But there's a reason why that deficit is working because, you know, metabolic adaptation, Maybe you've lost 20 kgs in the past and you're just fighting a set point that isn't natural for you. So it's, it's just so much context yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> to take in, right? So that, that kind of gives me two questions from that. So mm. firstly, you've, you've got this female, they're in that standard kind of position. They've already lost weight. They've come to us in a deficit or maybe what should have been a deficit, right, in theory. So yeah, the metabolic adaptations occurred that they're not feeling great and they're like, why am I not losing weight anymore? Mm. We obviously explain to them, hey, there's some stuff we need to do here to give you a, a break from dieting. You know, yeah. Maybe this thing called reverse dieting. What Again, obviously, I know this is going to depend on the individual, but what would that process normally look like for a female that's come to you? They're pretty lean. Maybe they want to lose a little bit more, but they've been pushing too hard for too long to the point where their body's kind of saying no. Yeah. Like, What are the action steps you would take with that female over a few months to get them back into a position where they can then go into a deficit again at a later date if they choose to? Well, it's food. You know, I need to look at their food. I need to. I'm very firm on like visually seeing what people are eating. So I'll, I'll normally ask for like a three day visual food diary of everything that they're they're sort of seeing because my my fitness pal or tracking is great, but people are terrible at reporting. That's just you know human nature. So I'll see what they're eating. What do their portion sizes look like? Are there any mental restriction or rules in the background that are governing this that I can get some super easy wins with and help them sort of work through? So. You know, maybe it's that they're, they're still just not eating enough carbohydrates. And, you know, your body's as a female, we need carbs, mm -hmm. especially when we're looking at energy availability and, and calories and kind of supporting what your body needs to function and get back to that state of, I guess, homeostasis. So then they can then diet again or pursue that as a goal. Yeah. So calories, carbs, if there's any, any food rules there, probably will increase the, their calorie intake, to be honest, like based on if, if what you just said as a, as a case comes mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, no, exactly that. That's something I actually got from you is I would have clients sometimes take photos as, instead of tracking in cool. some situations, but I don't think I ever got a client to keep a food diary and take photos of it, which in hindsight sounds really obvious to do right. because obviously yeah. the food diary is, is what I'm taking into account to decide on the starting approach. It's like, are you coming to me saying you've hit a plateau because you've been under eating or are you just not reporting yeah. your calories accurately, right? So you do the food diary, but then... This sounds so obvious in hindsight. So knowing that people don't keep food diaries that accurately, why would I also not ask for pictures so that I can compare the pictures to the food diary? And that's something I actually got from you and, and, and started doing, which, yeah, it's just one of those things that just sounds so obvious in hindsight, but, but I never did. And it's really, really yeah. useful because then it allows you, obously, as the coach, to educate on your, your my fitness power. Well, I use chronometer, but, you know, oh, your, cool. your diary says this and your photos say that, right? So it gives you another touch point to educate as well. I mean, I just have trust issues, to be <laughs> honest. You know, I, I love my clients, but you got to prove to me, like, what, what you're eating is accurate. I, I 
you know, that's that's part of building a, a rapport. Sometimes I'll joke with them and be like, look, you say you're sleeping this amount of hours, but you've got to watch. Send me a screenshot. What are your steps like? Oh, you know, eight. Is it eight? Is it seven? Is it six? You've just been generous here. You know, as a coach, your clients do to some degree want to want to please you sometimes. And, and maybe they will psychologically or consciously, um, conscious or not, you know, overinflate things or, or underinflate things. So it's important for me to have reality when it comes to, I, I you know, I, if I don't, if I'm going in blind and somebody's got a food diary of chicken salad, cup of coffee, oats, I'm like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Show me. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Egg. Oats is oats. Is that a hundred grams? Is that two grams? I have no concept here. Yeah. Of reality. Yeah, of course. Which is why food, which keeping that initial food diary, you know, tracked rather than just obviously written ads is obviously important. But yeah, yeah, comparing that to the photos, that that's a great, that's a great tip. What you just said though, I'd love to just highlight that back because that for me, if any coaches are listening, was something that took me years to get my head around. And that's that your words kind of have weight and clients will want to please you. Yeah. And for so many years, just maybe because I was young, I was new to the industry that that just didn't make sense in my mind and therefore the idea that clients would do things to try and please me or take what I said mm. like to heart is just that, that just wasn't a thing in, in my mind and therefore you miss if, if you're not prepared to accept that whether that's coming from a place of insecurity or self-worth or whatever on my behalf if you're not prepared to understand that that's often how the client coaching relationship will be you will miss the fact that clients will often yeah underreport or overreport depending on whatever one's positive right to sometimes try and try and please you so that took me a long time to kind of learn um would you say that's the same with you or was that something that kind of just made sense to you from day one that this is something that's going to happen to me as a coach with my clients um gosh no i mean i just yeah i probably no i'm probably saying i never thought that that would be a thing it's like well you know i'm a coach why would they why would they want to why would they misreport to me like i don't mean much but I think we do. We we, we undervalue ourselves and, and the position of authority that maybe they perceive us to have, which is why, you know, I need to be on their level. I'm I'm not I'm not Hitler. I'm not a dictator. I'm not a you need to do this. I'm like, do you want to do that? What happens if you didn't do that? What would it mean? Like you want to lose fat, but you're struggling. So, is it worth it? Why? What? Why? What? What? What would it mean if you do lose fat? So I think that allows them to be less like. God, I need to please. Hmm. So it's your language as a coach, right? If, you, if you're there on a call going, I need this from you, you want to do, like, if you're very dictated, they're going to, you know, thrive off that and be like, yeah, okay, okay. But that's very externally driven. Yeah. It's not internal. I feel like that works quite well almost in the bodybuilding world. Or okay. maybe even if it doesn't work well, it's how it is, whether it's good or, or not is maybe a different conversation. But from coming from a, I mean, I did junior men's physique competition, so I don't ah. want to say like a bodybuilder, but from coming from the bodybuilding world and having a couple of the biggest coaches in the UK coach me who are awesome, that's how it was. Oh, really? Um, wow. And maybe that, yeah, works better or it's just how it is. And obviously the bodybuilding world is very stuck in its ways. But ultimately, I feel like a lot of the fitness industry learns or has been, not so much recently, which is great. We're seeing this shift, aren't we? But a lot mm. of the information came from the bodybuilding world and you get bodybuilding coaches coaching your gen pop and then you get those people becoming oh, coaches and then they're coaching people like their bodybuilding coaches, even though they were never a bodybuilding themselves, right? And that's how we mm. end up often with these chicken and rice meal plans, this authoritarian dictatorship style of coaching mm. is that the rest of the industry kind of evol evolves not the right works. It sounds positive, doesn't it? But it kind of came from the more the bodybuilding world of the fitness industry. Whereas now we've kind of got 
the fitness industry is almost, I feel like it's a separate thing to the bodybuilding world. And there's a lot of trends happening within it, which never came from the bodybuilding style, more of the CrossFit, the high rocks mm. uh, and and coaches, um, which yeah, were never anything to do with the bodybuilding world and kind of come at it from the, the stance you do of more of the behavioral change side of things. No, you, yeah, you're so right. I, I find that conversation fascinating because I have no, I have no history in sports as such, to be honest. Like I, you know, I, much more as a brand is functional fitness we're, we're stepping into more of the crossfit space and we you know we've always been part of competitions and high rocks and I, and then i sometimes you know i work with clients and i get sent these pdfs or these spreadsheets of you know macros and bodybuilding plans and they are very well respected people in this industry and i'm like what what, what do you mean they thought like that's what they wanted you to do yeah Funny, it blows it? my mind that that is, but that's still where the industry is at. Mm. From a nutrition perspective, say, oh, I've got a nutrition coach. Cool. What's your meal plan? Like, that's the crusade as such that it feels like, you know, myself and Sammy and a lot of the evidence-based coaches are on, which is, you know, some people are like, oh, why, why do you want to fight that, DD? But I can't not. It's 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 a purpose. It's a drive. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to change it. And I think... You know, people like yourself, we, we get out of those phases or, you know, bodybuilding or whatever. Um, and you do s sort of just reflect back on what was that? What was it? I have no idea. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Tell me more about, like, I guess, the, the idea of bodybuilding and nutrition because I, I, I'm, not, I'm not particularly educated. I'm obviously on the receiving end of helping people mm. fix that. So I'm, I think I'm biased, honestly. Like I, I feel like I want to throw bodybuilding nutrition under a bus and I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying yeah. that. But I just don't have any context. So I guess give me an insight. Mm. What, what, I mean, what is it like? The way I see it is there probably needs to be some responsibility on the consumer end as well. Yeah. To be like, is a transformation actually what I want? And by transformation, I kind of, you know, I mean the, the drastic 12, 16 week mm. photo shoot, whether you get on stage or not. And obviously, I think as a coach, you also have a responsibility to not sell that to someone that doesn't have the prerequisites or if you okay. don't think that's what they need or, or want, obviously, you should not sign them up or, or, or try to steer them in a different direction. Um, but, you know, I've signed clients up before. They're telling me all the right things. I've got no reason not to believe mm. what they're saying. I've got no reason not to think that they do want to achieve this more extreme goal of a photo shoot. They don't have any evident red flags physiologically or psychologically. Mm. So if you pair that with also being a 20, 21 year old, co not anymore, but at the time, you know, a 21 year old coach and you want, you know, you want the client, you want the transformation yeah. for social media, you want to grow your coaching brand and, and ultimately you want the sale and the income as well. If there's no reason to think that it wouldn't be a bad idea for this person to go on that journey and they're telling you that's what they want, then you sign them up and then next thing you know, you put them through the only way you know how to get a drastic transformation, which, mm. you know, often are unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And therefore the plan and approach, in my opinion, does need to be fairly restricted and, and rigid to facilitate an extreme transformation in a relatively short period of time. Mm. And you put them through that. And obviously a good chunk of the time, I wouldn't want to speculate on a percentage, but a good percentage of the time, it messes that person up. They either don't get to the finish line or even if they do, it's a real issue at the other end. Yeah. And then as a coach if you're one dimensional and all you're able to do is facilitate that and you don't understand anything about stress physiology you know endocrinology reverse dieting how do you fix or unadapt mm. that person at the other end you can't you, you've only got that one tool in the toolbox right and then that's when those people often come to 
to, to then us but yeah. it's just a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a broken a broken system isn't it but i feel like yeah there's a lot of responsibility that needs to lie on the client to be like do, is this actually what i want to do but also as an industry we need we owe it to these people to communicate that okay that might look really great in front of a camera um, but it was not mm. healthy getting there yeah. um, and if you're prepared to go to that unhealthy place cool um maybe you don't have the prerequisites and you shouldn't yet but if you do and you do want to do it at least you need to understand that this is not going to be easy it won't be particularly healthy and and just be really sure that you actually want that challenge because there are some consequences that can occur that uh, one of my friends who's a bikini competitor mm. um you know she's now infertile maybe for wow yeah for life yeah um that's very sad but that's because she worked with coaches that didn't understand pcos and she had pcos and uh, won her mm. show and got an invite to british finals and and uh and despite there being about a six month gap right <laughs> stayed lean yeah um you know you've already got a an internal stress state if you've got pcos right and you throw Absolutely. 12 months worth of extreme contest prep from bodybuilding coaches that don't really know what they're doing uh you've got a recipe for disaster and that's very very sad but mm. yeah i think responsibility needs to be taken at both ends doesn't it it's also treating in in that situation like women as if they're men and that we can just do the same strategy have the same pdf template or spreadsheet of xyz for you know grams and calories when we're a complete different physiology as you well know our bodies and we are not small men and you have to have a level of understanding of that sure it may not mean that you maybe have to adapt too much but from what your body needs to you you can experience as a male extremes more mm -hmm. comfortably than a woman can doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult for you it just means your body's going to yep. respond differently to mine if i do the same things and i experience the same stress but you know stress is subjective right it's just our our our, our cortisol response to things are different and that will stop the body doing a lot of things way quicker than it will do amounts yeah exactly um and that's i think the the saying that i use on my like information page for my, my course for pts is you know it's not your fault that you don't know that because yeah. if no one in the industry is really talking about the fact women are different if your average nutrition courses don't ever touch on it if the pt course doesn't touch on it then ask your pt it's not your fault that you don't know that. Mm. But if you want to work with females, it is now your responsibility yeah. to have a basic understanding of how and why they're different um, so that you can first and foremost do no harm, right? Because that's the most important yeah. thing when you're working with clients is that their goals are actually the second most important thing. Not making them worse is yeah. has to be the first thing, right? So that's something that... Um, I'm really proud of what I've created to do my very small piece to, to change that. Obviously, there's people in the industry doing much bigger things than me. Um, but ultimately, it's a trend that in the last couple of years, I do see moving in the right direction, which I think is amazing. Um, like what do you see in the industry over the last few years? Would you say more people are starting to talk about and understand some key female differences? Or would you say it's still not really where it needs to be? No, I, yeah, no, I would agree. The, the conversation has gotten a lot better. Um, but if we're to think about we don't even it's not even just you know as pt's responsibility as women we don't get we don't know it's not like geez we didn't get taught this even in school so especially when you add in things like the pill which we've probably been on since you know 16 17 or the medical model of, of managing a lot of our maybe problematic symptoms around the cycle is to just flatline everything yeah. so when you as a woman have spent 10 15 20 years flatlining things how are you supposed to know what, what your body's going to respond like even without it or to training or nutrition? 
So, I mean, yeah, if you take it that far back, who, who's, whose fault is that? Is that education? Is that ours? Is that a parent's responsibility? Who, who knows? But at some point, if you engage in those sort of behaviours and you don't have an awareness of it, you could, like, you know, obviously, as you, you know, very sadly said as your friend, experience those things. That's why for bone density, having a menstrual cycle, being your fifth vital sign, in my opinion, it is key. Even if you don't want to have a cycle, like, we don't really love having it. So it's, it's, it's just, oh, as, as a coach, yeah, I think I completely agree. It is, it's a level of responsibility, but I guess not entirely, yeah. exclusively. No, of course. Yeah, just the everyday female listening. Ideally, I think their overall quality of life would would improve if they had a fairly basic level of understanding yeah. of this. Which, um, yeah, ho hopefully over the next few years that will continue to improve as more and more people put out content about it, and that content's kind of easily accessible. Yeah. What are some of those reasons that um, a second ago you just said about like we don't like having a cycle, but you know it's important. <laughs> One of them obviously being for bone density. Yeah. Obviously, we know in hypersomatic amenorrhea, there's you know bone density goes down due to the lack of estrogen. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other um, reasons why a menstrual cycle is important? As you correctly said, it's you know it's the, the fifth vital sign. Like why should girls care about that as opposed to thinking, oh great, I'm really lean and I've lost my cycle, and that's actually a good thing. Well, the, the, you know, in, there aren't that many, right? It's, there's not a whole list of the reasons why we want to have a menstrual cycle, but it's part of our bodily functions because, say, bone density and estrogen, like, our sex hormones do certain things for us, and if that is depleted or gone or stopped functioning, that's maybe not something you're going to be immediately aware of, but it's the compounding effect of anything. So, sure, I'm, I'm not worried when a... 24 year old hasn't lost a cycle for you know a month or maybe it's their first in, in, in um, three months but it's what happens when they're 60 and they break their hip or what happens in the future it's more bone density and these things aren't, aren't acute it's the chronic response of it so it's more long term um but then if they don't have a cycle you know is it is it because they're overtraining? is it because they're under fueling that's not going to be the only thing there as evidence. Their sleep's going to be terrible. Their nervous system's going to be shot. They're probably operating on a fight or flight response, and that's going to be impacting what well, can't not their life to some degree. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I've seen Dr. Lara Bryden talk about progesterone and uh, cardiovascular and respiratory issues and and the increased likelihood of those in later life if you if you've not had a cycle for a period of time mm. so yeah there's a lot of roles that estrogen and progesterone do uh outside of yeah, yeah. The, the menstrual cycle itself that, that are super important so mm -hmm. what would you say so you know you you've got your your female client or the female listener and they're like but i love training uh, i'm scared yeah. of gaining body fat i don't yeah. want to train less because this is obviously something i hear all the time i would say at least 50 percent of my female clients are not the standard weight loss goal they're the other end okay um you know that they're, they're overtraining. they maybe want to be a little bit leaner but their body fat's in a healthy range they're over dieting they're overtraining, and i need to go through this process with them like you described earlier of actually you know building calories up etc mm. first like, what do you say to that woman that's like okay I, I need to do this but i'm i'm scared um my response being so what are you scared of like tell me about that because it's not it's not the Everybody in their mind thinks, you know, a trigger A trigger is the eating more. The consequence is I'm going to get fat. They're not the problems. The problems is the belief around doing that that's going to end up in a consequence. So I focus more on what, what would it mean if you did get fat? 
say what what's worst case scenario say you trained less say you ate more well, I get fat what would that mean though would that change your perception of yourself would that mean you'd be uncomfortable some way like what is it you're trying to describe here as the problem because the problem isn't you getting fat the problem is what you think that's gonna bring about is that a feeling is that an, a belief so it's more if you can dissect that then you're on a great path to be able to change their cognitive thought about oh yeah maybe maybe it wouldn't be the end of the world maybe I could train a bit less what would happen if you didn't train as much I wouldn't be as much of an athlete okay well what's your what's your belief around you being an athlete what's the identity there is your self-worth too much married on that like it's it's definitely psychologically based and you know it takes a certain skill to be able to do that but you're just going to get them in another year's time still contemplating the same process, which I'm sure we're very familiar with. It's a struggle, right, for a woman to take that step between fueling themselves, maybe training a bit less if they're overtraining, and accepting the, you know, the decade narrative of being smaller is better. Hmm. Yeah, that that yeah, I love that. It's kind of like peeling back the layers, isn't it? And I'm sure they didn't come up with it, but I believe I first heard Precision Nutrition call it like the five whys. Yeah. So, you know, you say, I feel this or my belief is that or this will happen. Well, why do you feel like that? And yeah, um, is that a task that you would recommend people kind of do, even if they're not working with a coach, just to like peel back that layer, ask why and get to the real root cause of why they would be scared or worried about training yeah. less, eating more? That That's great. The, the five whys is amazing. But if you take that step further and go, in my opinion, ask why enough and you get to who. So Ooh, I like that. the who is like, and this is pretty deep but generally it comes from like either childhood or a belief you've had for a long time so it could be your perception from your parents that you've adopted or maybe there was I I had to be this certain way whether that's an athlete mentality and you know you grew up in a very competitive sport and you've always been you know high achieving okay so who, who whose approval did you try to win the most mm-hmm. out of your parents like who is the who in this? Who are you trying to prove this to? Because if it's not you, it's someone. So if I don't understand who ultimately this is for and it's not them, then they're going to continue doing it. So it's like, what's their relationship dynamics between that and long-term them getting results? That's makes great. Sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes so much sense that I'm, it's deep, I'm, go, I'm going inwards and I forgot my next question. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that's that, that's got me thinking. That that's that's powerful. Um, I'm thinking about some of my own stuff, and I'm also thinking I need to change my intake forms. Oh, okay, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to to add that to add that on and, and make sure I have that conversation with clients. Where so another question that's just come to mind now then is is and I guess this is more for coaches. Where do you draw the line at these kind of mindset conversations because I, I feel like what what I see maybe correct me if, if I'm wrong or you feel different mm. but I see a lot of coaches they don't want to have those kind of conversations because they maybe feel like it falls out of their scope of practice yeah. um, and or maybe they just feel like it's a bit of an uncomfortable conversation to have and they don't really maybe feel like secure enough in themselves to sit there and listen to the answer but in in my opinion where my coaching drastically changed was three or so years in when I started doing and understanding a lot more of this because mm. obviously I don't need to tell you behavioral change underpins weight loss yeah um and so that for me was a real turning point of getting client results obviously if, if a coach is listening and they want to get better results or if an individual is listening and they want to get a better result for themselves um 
yeah, how, how can you as a coach kind of be in a position to actually be able to ask those questions and feel comfortable going there with, with clients? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, you know, at this point, I do, I do mentor people as well, coaches and PTs. I don't expect them to operate, you know, with somebody who's going through training to become specialized in CBT and REBT, which is rational emotive behavior therapy. And a large, you know, it, it's more niche than it is, well, dude, I'm just a nutrition coach. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. What, what do I do with somebody who has childhood trauma? Or like, that's the reason they're still not able to change now with their food and, and their perception of themselves. So, you know, motivational interviewing, some of the lower hanging skills that you can develop just as a coach, they're going to be amazingly useful to just provoke thought in a client. Or say if you see, like your intake form, like you just said then, well, mine's basically just a therapy session in <laughs> itself. And people generally email me going, like, wow, wait, I, mm. I thought I was getting a meal plan. Yeah, yeah I um, get the same. This is a therapy session. I was like, yeah, well, well, welcome to yeah. Dee's world. Um, we do things differently here. We do things differently here. Um, <laughs> so I, d I don't expect people to do that or, or coaches, especially early on in, in, into their careers. But tweaking a few conversations that you have with them or finding the time to have those. Why is it you feel you struggle? Like You just need to ask questions. And there's a lot of gold in what somebody's response is. So, you know tweaking your intake form to say what was your you know not just the what was your alcohol intake what was your sleep like what was this what was the best part of your week what what do you feel you struggled with the most I mean I'm sure these are all things that, that people are thinking but I don't think coaches spend enough time mm -hmm. on them because that's going to be the barrier not the fact that you know they they I mean they may present with you know they haven't lost weight that week or, or whatever but just saying you're not in a calorie deficit is just not really going to be very helpful. No, no and there, there's great apps for ten dollars a month, like, yeah, like Carbon, right? which do that now. So if that's your coaching service, you'll get you'll get left behind, which is is something I've said to some people r recently. Mm. W would you say that if you're if you want to be a nutrition coach, for the most part, you probably also need to accept that you are also going to be kind of a a mindset behavioural change coach within reason too. The best advice I would give myself is to spend equal time learning nutrition science as I did psychology. If that's where you want to go, I appreciate if you want to do meal plans, if you want to be prescriptive in nature, if you want to, you know, have that as your service, great. That's just, that's not my world. It's not evidence-based. It's not where I want to take the future of nutrition coaching. Mm. Yeah. It's Except I'm, you know, me and you are different to other people and I have acceptance of that. I'm not, I'm not here to change other people i'm here to give them a different option yeah yeah it definitely depends on the the demographic but if you reverse engineer it and you know a coach is saying i want to do the best possible job i can for essentially anyone that needs my help then it's yeah as you said it's it's 50 50 isn't it it's just an important mm. skill set to learn um motivation interviewing great book great course yeah i'll make sure i get that in the, the <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good place to start yeah, yeah. Where, where else would you recommend for maybe individuals listening that go okay i need to understand the behavioral change side of this a little bit more but i i don't want to coach um or coaches that want to learn it for their clients are there any other resources courses people that books that you can you can recommend well, PN is great, right? Precision Nutrition is it's a really holistic approach to just sort of looking at people's behaviours and low-hanging fruits. You don't necessarily need to... As a coach, you just need experience, right? The more conversations you have, the better you're going to get at it. We've been in this a long time now. You're just going to develop those over time. So it's ambitious of me to, to be like, 
shortcut all of this, read this book, do this course, you'll become me. And I and, and I can give you exactly where or you know match you to to a level of, of coaching. But everybody kind of gravitates towards you know what when they're ready to receive that as a coach. You know, if you're not ready to receive it, if you're not ready to explore that area of coaching, then you're not going to. But motivational interviewing, um, following a lot of people just in evidence-based nutrition is super helpful. So you've got, you know, um, the Jeff Nippards, you've got um, James Krieger, you've got some really, or Ben Carpenter, who's just borrowed a book, people you can trust within that world. So often I'm surprised when people say, oh, you know, did you hear what so-and-so said? I'm like, I've got no clue. I don't know who that is. I'm so, bl- I, sometimes I feel stupid when people sort of say, or my clients like, well, you know, they said that sugar's bad and this. I'm like, who? Well, I don't know who they are. Yeah. They're not on my radar. Yeah. But I appreciate they're on many other people's radar and that's obviously concerning. Yeah. Yeah, putting the putting the blinkers on is important sometimes, isn't it? One thing I, I believe I got from Phil Lerney is sometimes you might need to go through who your clients are following and oh yeah a lot of context depending on your relationship with the client you're not again it's a bit dictatorship pretty so it's maybe not you might not always approach it this way but i'd essentially be like do you know what maybe unfollow x y and z whether it's misinformation or whether it's body image because ultimately if you're putting you know if you're the the angel on one shoulder and then Mm. you know that your clients are going on instagram and opening x y and z then really you're probably fighting a bit of a losing a losing battle Mm. um so that was one cool tip i got from him is actually sometimes you might need to get clients to unfollow certain accounts or or certain people which is something that i I think everyone should do a social media audit really shouldn't they and unfollow people that aren't serving them yeah even even me like you know there, there are certain accounts that make me don't i don't make me feel good Either from a coaching, you know, I start judging myself against other coaches. I see what they're doing. I'm like, oh, should I do that? Is that a good angle to go down? But you're, you're right. Sometimes I'll ask clients, right, what are your algorithms giving you at the minute? Like, is it cats? Is it Brin's Got Talent? Like, tell me, because it's giving you what you want. So I need to know what you're, you want in return. And if that's bikini competitors, if that's rice cake cereal or a load of, you know, non-nutritionally sound advice... Then I'm fighting losing battle when you're spending God knows how many hours looking at that. Yeah. Me for 30 minutes a week has got no chance against yeah. a feed that's perfectly created. It's you. It's everything you want. It's designed to keep you engaged as long as possible. So if I, I, if I can't understand that, then I'll, yeah, again, flogging a dead horse. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Getting changing what you're taking in is actually a really important part of a lot of people's mm. journeys because subconscious isn't it you know you, you see that you hear that you look at that image and it, it, it subconsciously goes in even if you're not really aware of it and if we're trying to facilitate behavior change in, mm. in people then what, what you're consuming definitely matters but even just like transformation pictures right i, I have moved away from that and i don't have a necessary issue of, of you know coaches using it i appreciate that that's always going to be there but if your feed is just a C, see you before and afters, that's your entire marketing, great. But psychologically, what does, what does that do to somebody? And the science shows that that doesn't actually lead to action. Like it, it may be motivating, you know, it may be, it may be inspiring, but evidence-based, people don't take action on that. Interesting. They don't. Like that. that's literally what the science says. So... Well, you can feed into that and you you can go along with that. But I, I question if, you know, if you're just a, a gem pop person and your feed is just looking at somebody transition their bodies, 
what does that tell you about yourself? Mm. I, I, I just question that to some degree. Yeah. But I'll be keen to hear your, your input on that. I use them sometimes. Yeah. I do. And uh, I know Amelia doesn't. And I, I've been speaking to Amelia recently. And obviously, you've just said you don't really use them. So I definitely think I need to spend a bit of time reflecting on that more about where, where we're trying to go. But I, I've gone from, again, this is obviously going to take some self-awareness and, and a lot of coaches maybe aren't going to necessarily have the best best morals not from because they're not a good person but maybe if you're in year one or year two you're just trying to do what you've got to do to grow grow the business right so i know that i used to probably push things that i wanted onto clients without really realizing it which mm -hmm. often got better transformations but wasn't necessarily the right thing to do and i would often post transformations even if I knew that they weren't necessarily the healthiest or the client had not, you know, something yeah. negative had happened to, to, to get that. And I would still post them because they were epic. And I don't do that anymore. So that's like me kind of being okay with the mm. ones that I do post sometimes, knowing that the ones that I will occasionally post are A, completely them, like me did not force any of my goals <laughs> or on, onto them. Uh, and B, no negative consequences occurred as a result of that off mm. that diet which subsequently means that i post less yeah. <laughs> but it does leave me with some to post and that's kind of the middle ground that i've come to between showing off my clients hard work and and you know they deserve to feel good about that also obviously reminding people what i can do as a coach and obviously my own you know you've got to live and my own marketing and business mm -hmm. generation but also hopefully not selling any full streams or promoting anything that actually behind the scenes wasn't healthy so that, that's kind of where i've landed on it yeah. um that might change in the future i might stop using them altogether but you, you're kind of seeing one every two to three months from me at the, at the, at the moment on average which is is kind of where i've landed yeah and that you know i was the same you know my my, my feed is post uh, pre and post transformation pictures back in the day i run a six week fat loss accelerator course we're currently on week three so i'm not i'm not here to to stop people sort of showcasing their bodies absolutely i'm just saying if you're core value is what you look like that's something that can be taken away from you mm, really quickly. and that's a danger is that if 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 i ask a client what you know it, it can be a value sure take pride in what you look like we all want to look good naked i'm not here to stop that but i'm here to question if there's so much weight on you pursuing an image or you you know looking a certain way is that healthy i don't think it is no, exactly that. If someone is not sure if that's them or not in terms of placing too much worth and mm. uh, you know on, on how they look, are there any questions that someone can ask themselves? Are there any things that they can look out for to kind of help them decide if they are on this health and fitness journey from uh, yeah, a, a healthy place or not? I mean, self-acceptance is, is, in my opinion, the key to, to long-lasting change. So if you, if you continually can't accept yourself, like evaluate the level of self-talk you've got, if you're constantly showing up every day going, I need to work harder, I'm not good enough, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm lazy, if, if, if that's just dictating this constant need to, to hang on to something else, you'll probably find you just move the goalposts anyway. You're never satisfied. So it's, it's going to be pretty obvious if, if you've reached that place because mm -hmm. you're either content or, or you're not you're always chasing something so yeah. if you, are you oh, i'll just lose a little bit more weight or or you know i won't post this picture i'll wait for the next month maybe i'll get a picture then or you know or maybe just a little bit more that it's just a it's just a yellow brick road yeah so it's yeah being being content and not delaying 
kind of you know attaching the happiness to where you're at and going um, next week I will feel this or next week I will do that what's conditional yeah. I will feel this when I get that that's definitely not a healthy mindset to have mm. do you ever recommend anything kind of along the lines of journaling to clients to help build this like emotional awareness and answer these questions in an, in an actual space created for that rather than just kind of like floating in and out of their mind when they're busy yeah yeah, a million percent. Journaling. Um, sometimes, if I'm if I'm stuck on a belief with a client, I'll get them to just use a word and and ask and and get them to think about that. So if it's like they're struggling with perfectionism or the drive to do something, I'll be like, maybe let, let's have a think about that. Like, what does that mean for you? Why why do you feel you need to be perfect? If you're perfect, then what? So I'll probably just try to stick them to like a word. Maybe yeah. it's less kind of. Sometimes, if you're not used to journaling or kind of meditation or the more mindfulness elements they can be a bit like can just seem a lot you know even I don't practice a lot of those things because you know it's it's personal to you what do you resonate with if I tell a client to do something and it doesn't sit with them then I'm, I'm going to shift it and get them to do something different mm. journaling is amazing um, but sometimes it can just be a word it could be an event just to sit with their emotions more in it yeah I love that. I feel like people are so busy, aren't they? <laughs> uh, and a combination of being busy and not prioritizing themselves means that sitting with it, it just doesn't happen, does it, for people? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people struggle with time management and fill their time mentally, right? Because they're just so overwhelmed with, I guess, str additional stresses that are either caused by themselves or, or not or whatever. But yeah, it's it's... I guess the the grind mentality especially in this industry mm. where you you're constantly seeing people succeed always want more move forward it it depends on what that brings about in you as a state yeah I love that that's been a real underlying theme on the podcast is this concept of kind of it's natural to have seasons and sometimes grinding and pushing hard is self-care oh I like that seasons but yeah. also sometimes you should have a season of maybe slowing down and huh? and saying no and and every single guest has kind of said that in one way or another right uh, and and putting it when i kind of um i don't want to say came up with that but when i put that together in my own mind like that i was like yeah that that makes a lot of sense is right now i'm in a season of go yeah, okay <laughs> um, yeah. but sometimes people need to be in a season of well i'm having health issues as a result of that go mm. and it's very normal you know bears have seasons or hibernating you know the, 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 mm -hmm. the months of seasons maybe there's a season of needing to slow down but as you said earlier there's nothing wrong with sometimes being in a season of go and aiming for, for fat loss so what are some strategies that, that females in particular if there are any kind of differences you want to elaborate on that would be great um what are some strategies in particular that that females or anyone can take to diet but do it in a the, the physically um physically the healthiest way possible mm. but b ensure that they're not maybe affecting their mindset relationship with themselves in the in the process are there any strategies tips that you can recommend well i'm you know from a nutrition side i'm always going to want to see protein in somebody's diet right I don't, I don't think i need to teach people protein at this point i spend more time telling them to eat less than i do more within this industry but i still want to make sure that their meals are balanced i think we it's very easy for us to go maybe reduce your carbs i'll cut it all out like it depends on what type of personality you are so start with just really not excluding things i think i used to be that that type of person like, oh, if you want to exclude it okay cool that's what you want to do but i, I definitely want to make sure that there's balance especially for, from a, a female's perspective for their hormones and just to support their body 
because subliminally over time that food will can just maybe get bigger and bigger and bigger the long time you stay in it so not exclude not exclude any food groups in mm. particular look at your portion sizes you know what's the lowest hanging fruit is it do you think you can adapt something it's not taking something away completely but you know could you buy three coffees out instead of five this week that's a latte that probably contains more calories than you think it does or maybe consider changing a meal out because you eat out five times a week and it's actually not that much of a you know big deal to you you it's not something you need to manage particularly so um Increasing movement, obviously, you know, from, from an output perspective, steps is a thing. Yep. You know, it's a large part of your your metabolism. So, I'm we are at desks a lot, and COVID did did great for a lot of us. But then we just started working more, so people aren't getting away from their desks. They're just working through lunch, maybe going across the roads to, to get something to eat, or going to their kitchen, which is two steps away. So, generally, increasing your knee is always going to be a, a even though it's non-nutrition related, I kind of assess what, what their energy balance looks like in all parts. So Yeah, you can't just look at half of that equation. Yeah. 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 So looking at the portion sizes, looking at where they think most of their calories are coming through, and I get them to sort of evaluate like, okay, so what's going to be less painful? What do you think is the lowest hanging fruit here? Well, you know, I do maybe have a couple of gin and tonics on a weekend. Cool. What do you want to do there? Do you want to have one? Do you want to have two? Do you want to look somewhere else for it? So it's kind of just, again, I guess you would need somebody's context to be more specific. Yeah. But yeah. What is the, so explain to me if that's okay. What is the benefit of what you've just done there, which is ask them in, in terms of, what where do you want to look how many you want to reduce it to obviously i understand motivational interviewing mm. but what is the benefit there in terms of getting the client or the person listening to decide that for themselves if you look at prescription from a medical perspective the actual rate of adherence to to taking medications given to you like literally here's this take this mm. three times a day is shocking we're terrible at it so for me to say Eat 120 grams of chicken, this amount of broccoli, this amount of rice. Sure, some people are going to be able to do it. But why? Why? That's not an idea they came up with. I'm just telling them. Mm. So the the retention of that, the thought process of knowing why they're doing it, the buy-in to it is going to be a lot less than it is making them think it's their idea. Or them going, oh, yeah, I, you know, that that's a decision I made. It's ownership, right? You've got to own your decisions, they're not going to do very well if they think Didi told me to do that or this is, you know, this is the plan. Might get by initially, great results for a couple of weeks. But what happens in two years time and I'm not coaching them? Yeah, I think that's the mark of a good coach, isn't it? When we care about the, the long term and ultimately, if you're the individual listening, you should care about <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you can keep it off or not, because it only gets harder to lose it every time. Right. So. How many of those swaps would you typically get someone to make in week one? Are you just getting them to focus on just one swap or reduction or thing per week? Mm. Or how many might you get someone to kind of tackle on average? I mean, week one, I might not even make any changes because I want an accurate assessment of where they're at. So sometimes that takes a week or two just to get that. Yeah. You know, if I start giving them ideas week one and then tell them to do a food diary, they might start changing things. Then I've got not really a reality of what what does a three-day intake look like for you well she said maybe 40 grams of oats or 50 so i'll just you know measure out this time when they might have been on 100 or something yeah 
the, I, I always remember fondly that the first time I started tracking or the reason why is because um, all my, my SNC coach at the time and, and now boss sort of said, oh, okay, well, how much oats do you have? I was like, I don't, I don't know how many oats I have. I weigh it. I don't want to live that life. So I'm not, definitely not like anti-tracking at all. But I went home and I, I weighed in. It was 100 grams of oats. I was like, oh, okay. Good portion. <laughs> like... And I could eat, like I was overweight as a kid, so I have an appetite and I just had no idea. So sure, like maybe a bit of tracking is something I'm going to bring in after a week or two um, just to give them that level of, right, all right, okay, maybe that's not a small amount of avocado or that's a lot of oil or butter. Like me thinking it's just a splash of milk is not a splash of milk anymore. No, I love that. And what I've always really liked about your content is that you'll we'll talk about the relationship of food the behavioral change side of things but i feel like some people and you know the body acceptance and all of that which obviously is key i feel like some people have gone so far that mm. way that tracking's the devil uh, and aiming for weight loss makes you a terrible person which that i can actually relate to less than the bodybuilding approach if we're yeah, going to go if we're yeah. going to take extreme ends of the spectrum yeah. so what i love is that is is that the ability to do both so for people that because you know i'll get this so you feel my clients but i don't want to track I'm like, okay cool we definitely don't need to but at some point we might need to and it's just a tool and hopefully we we're not going to be emotional with it and you know if we want to get ahead of, on our finances we probably need to have a bit of an idea of what yeah. we're spending and what's coming in it's yeah. just it's just a tool but Ultimately, it's not just at all for a lot of women in particular. There is a lot of emotion attached to it. So mm. how do you maybe break that down and get past that so that if you do decide you feel like a female would benefit from tracking even for a short period of time from an educational standpoint, um, how do you get them to implement that without maybe the negatives that sometimes come with it? Well, you're right. Like uh, the behavior is never the problem. It's, it's the context to it. Weighing yourself isn't a problem. Weighing food isn't a problem tracking food is, is isn't a problem the problem is is what your beliefs about it are and where you take that so you could weigh yourself every single day it's not an issue for you you could weigh yourself every day and it's your entire world of emotional dependence it, it ruins your entire day if that number changes a little bit so I kind of have to see sort of like is that a problem or is that not and I need to ask that question of what does weighing feel like like what does it feel like to you does it take up space in your brain? Is it all you think about? Because it's, it's very naive of me to think that I'm my coaching and what I'm doing them is the only thing they should be focusing on. It's the only important part of the day. I almost want to make it as non-important to them as possible and take the stress away. Whereas people come, that's what people come to coaching for, right? I don't want to think about this. I want to outsource it. I may need to get them to, to, for a period of time, think about it until we get a system and a strategy in place that's more routine and takes that away. But it's it's difficult. Um, what was your original? I definitely digressed <laughs> off that one. That was all. No, that was all really, really useful too. But if you if you've decided that you you do want a female client to yeah. to track, um, and they're maybe a bit like I didn't have a good experience with it before. Yeah. Do you then just go okay, no worries, or is there maybe some middle ground or some strategies you use to, to to implement that sure well i'll be like hey okay so we're gonna go on my fitness pal um it's gonna tell you you probably need to eat 1200 calories we're gonna ignore that um i'm maybe gonna give you a realistic target and it's never just one number you might see red on that number because maybe you'll track something and it'll go a smidge over you're not gonna worry about that i'm probably gonna give you t maybe a, a gap of one to 300 calories either side 
And we're going to see what that looks like. But I'm not going to tell them, like, oh, God, because I ate 2001 or I ate 1401 that this is now the end of the world. Um, also, on the flip side, for, for, for trekking, it's sometimes a barrier to people actually eating more, especially with men. Like, some of the men I'm, I'm coaching at the minute, I've given them a goal of 3,000, and I'm just thinking about one in particular. I looked the other day, it's like a sea of 292827, I asked you for three. It's like a number to be below Why a bit did on you purpose. not? so that's for me psychology fascinating so I, I you know dissect that with them and that's like a you know three is just a bit scary like why I it's a it's a range so never be sort of like it's one number because that's not how the body works anyway um so I get them to, get them to track give them a range just make them feel as comfortable with it as possible I don't expect them to be accurate nobody's accurate evidence shows that even food is legally allowed to be 20% inaccurate yeah. So it's basically just throwing a dart anyway. Yeah, whether they like that, that or not is is you know another question. But people want it to be as accurate. You know, it's like activity trackers. Yeah, also not very accurate, unfortunately. No. Yeah. Um, what what I love about that answer, and it's kind of been the theme for every one of your answers, is you, you've answered it with a series of questions that you might <laughs> then say to them. Um, yeah. and, and that's why I think coaching is so valuable is it's very hard to ask questions of yourself. One, because maybe you don't know what you don't know, right? So you can't ask the question. And two, just the whole nature of asking yourself a question to answer it maybe seems a bit weird and, and people just don't do it or then they don't have space to answer it properly, e.g. journaling, mm. which is obviously why coaching can be incredibly valuable because you today have um, reeled off a series of like amazing questions that have got you know have got have got me thinking, um, and and that's really it's probably the magic in coaching, isn't it? Right, is, is being able to ask those questions to get to the root cause of why someone's feeling that way. It's uncomfortable, like especially this industry. Emotions are not something we're particularly great at, at sitting with or even recognizing. So. When, when your self-talk is maybe not great and and all you are consumed if I need to change my body and that's going to then make my mental state change, it could, granted. Sure, maybe fat loss will, will help you on that. It's But it's not a direct correlation and we need to appreciate that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. What what, what question sticks with you most? The the who definitely yeah. is the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, there's there's quite a lot there. I mean, I'm I'm trying to juggle in my mind listening to you and simultaneously thinking of questions. So I'm really excited to listen to this back. I think I think what we'll probably do is I'll, I'll pull out the the kind of series of questions under each relevant bit of context right. and probably put those in the notes. Maybe even try and turn that into like a little interactive worksheet. Mm -hmm. So people that listen to this episode, rather than having to kind of remember the questions as they go, maybe we can get a link to to, to kind of a jot form or something, and then people can kind of run through a little bit of the the questions that you recommend they are they ask of themselves. Because mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's been some really great ones in here. Good. Awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, there was that really covered absolutely everything I wanted to go into. That was amazing. So, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'd love to know a little bit more about, yeah, just bringing it back around full circle for if you are, you know, you're chatting to a girl or a guy mm -hmm. um, who is looking to maybe get into the industry, but they're maybe 24 to 28. They've yeah. been doing another job for a while now and they're maybe a bit scared of starting again from scratch or not being good at it. What advice would you give to that person in terms of entering into the fitness industry? Well, you're not going to be good at it. But first and foremost, let's have the acceptance of you're going to be probably pretty SHIT. Like, that's a given. Yeah, I love Nobody that. <laughs> is, right? Unless you're gifted or, or something. I, I have no idea. Um, 
if you can't look back and cringe it as a coach for what you're doing when you first started, you're probably not a good coach. Like you're not, you don't have 10 years experience if you've done the same year 10 times. So you need to be able to, to grow and adapt and look back and cringe at yourself. So you're going to have those moments, like own it, be around people that are going to support that. Um, find find evidence-based nutrition I was very lucky like I'd never really had a history of just you know doing some rogue bodybuilding being on stage and doing that or not that that is rogue obviously don't mean that but like being being down a negative route with food from that perspective so I entered into evidence-based nutrition I had a firm knowledge of that's what's appropriate and that's what's evidence like it's evidence-based right so if there's science to support something you're probably on a pretty good show and um, obviously that doesn't necessarily translate into the real world and that's where coaching and your experience mm. will come with time but follow good people be self-reflective find a course or like-minded people or a community that are, are promoters of health first and foremost because there's a lot of rogueness. It's, this is basically a circus. Everyone's a clown. And it's hard not to. Yeah, that's definitely the fitness industry. <laughs> it is, right? Like, we've been in this circus a long time. There's so many clowns. And I, I, I'm not getting rid of clowns. I'm not. I'm also not here to have the responsibility of shouting about these clowns mm. every day. I'd rather work on my clients. I'd rather teach them, you know, to, to get to their goal. Whether that's fat loss, performance, breaking barriers mentally. They, the clowns can do what the clowns do. Yeah. I mean, probably a pretty obvious question, but, you know, in hindsight, are you glad you, glad you took the jump? Oh, what, from, from nursing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, that, for me, now how I'm massively, massively overcompensating with working with people is because I spent so long, you know, in an industry <laughs> where animals didn't talk back. It was, yeah. it was brilliant. I loved it. But it taught me no social skills. I couldn't hold eye contact with somebody. Really? Yeah. So I depleted myself. I threw myself into a brick, you know, literally a four wall of nursing, small group of people. Didn't really interact with people outside of that. I mean, it was a small team. I worked with animals every day, theatres, operations, whatever. And so now I've realised, you know what? People are actually all right. I, I like people. I I'll work with them. How did you find your first couple of years of being a PT when you had to sell coaching and deliver coaching to to people as opposed to animals? um it was hard definitely i'm not i'm, I'm an introverted person i'm not an extrovert mm. and being in social situations doesn't you know fill me with which is why i think i'm great at one-to-one -one, just not to be myself up but i think i'm naturally better at that than i am you know maybe other things um because i like building rapport with clients mm. and i think that's why i'm i'm good at the psychological changes because it's not faked. Like, I generally care. I'm intrigued by what's going on for you, why why you are the way you are, why you eat the way you eat, and what why you want the goal that you want. Mm, yeah, no, that, that, that clearly really shows. But it's always interesting, isn't it? Because normally the, the people that are best at that, like yourself, have had to go on some sort of personal development journey, whatever you want to refer to it as. Yeah. So for you, that's obviously more from a social people aspect <laughs> moving, into, moving into this industry. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong, I was absolutely shredded when I was 23, did all the same things, been there, got the t-shirts of restrictive dieting, yo-yoed weight, I was overweight when I was younger, as I mentioned, that's a huge part of sort of your your reflection of yourself and how you view yourself, so 
a lot of my entry into that was probably me just trying to prove to myself or my younger mm. self that I had a place. In you the know. industry or within? Both. You know, I, I have no background in sport. I hated PE at school. I called in sick. Like, literally, I'm still not naturally talented at sports or performance. So to show up to a gym every day is still very uncomfortable for me. But I sit with it. Um, everyone has their journey, you know. Is me just being in the industry now? Me just trying to prove to my younger version of myself that oh, I'm worthy of being in it? Probably, yeah. If we're to go that deep. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm here because I love it and I want to make a difference in people's lives. And that's worthy enough for me to still be around. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I know that can always be hard to, to talk about, but yeah. yeah, very similar for me. Really bad at sport growing up. No natural athleticism. Um, <laughs> definitely introverted. So there were some barriers to overcome. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking of like the core group of people now that I know have been reaching out to me being like, oh, I might want to get into the industry. And I know that that would have been really insightful. So yeah, thank you very much for, for sharing that. Hopefully it'll inspire a few people to take the jump from doing a job that they're not really passionate about to, to yeah. maybe trying to help help other people. Because yeah, the best coaches are not necessarily the, the best athletes or the most athletic or the best physiques at all, are they? No, not at all. Um, but no, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, tell me more about your transition into to sort of more women's physiology and your interests. Mm. How, how did you end up there? I mean, that happened gradually from a place of just wanting to be the best coach possible. Um, and it's the, the right thing to learn. But the one kind of specific story, which was the catalyst, was... I had a female client turn up one morning and she was a little bit kind of all over the place. Um, really bad session, which wasn't like her. Yeah. Uh, asked to kind of call the session short and I was like, okay, you know, just just life, right? Didn't really think anything of it. And she messaged me a few hours later saying, oh, my period's just started. You don't happen to have any gaps like tonight, do you? And I'm like, as a 19-year-old, I'm like, I don't really even know what period really is. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just like, it's just something that meant you put a towel down. Like I really had no idea what a period was. So I just read that message and remember being like, that's really quite odd. But I like this client. I trained her for a while. She did three sessions a week. And in hindsight, her adding that bit of information to the message was kind of like the start point of wow. looking at it because she sent me that message and I was just like, right, okay. I was like, uh, I've got, I, I'm pretty sure it's 7 p.m. I was like, I've got 7 p.m. She's come back in and, and, and just had a really great workout. And I was like, considering there's mm. maybe nine out of 10 hours here and you've done half a workout already this morning, that was odd. Um, and then I thought, oh, maybe there's something to this period thing. You know, and that's why she said it. And then that I, I probably Googled something stupid, like why would you be able to train hard when your <laughs> yeah. period started? I don't know. I Googled something <laughs> sure. that didn't really make sense. Um, and next thing you know, kind of started looking at this whole, okay, there's some female specific stuff that... That guys don't have and it can affect training and mood and and yeah and we kind of went from there there was probably a good couple of years where i just assumed females knew it and i assumed coaches that were further ahead of me knew it and then when that became very evident that that wasn't the case um one thing led to another i'm in thailand covid happens a lot of my friends that were just class coaches in thailand whereas i was an, on, like an online coach too um we all kind of lost our jobs and then it became this okay how, how can i help um you know my, my friends who need to have an online offering and you mm. can't re if you're a great class coach that doesn't really give you much to offer us an online coach sure so it was kind of this like okay you're passionate at helping people you're a great coach how can we fill in some of the gaps with your education to turn this into a service uh, as well as just also logistically you know how, how do you do online coaching uh, and that was when i kind of realized really just how little <laughs> a lot of coaches know about mm -hmm. this uh also 
for thanks to being in Thailand for COVID, had a lot of time to study. And that just naturally led to building a course for PTs on female physiology. So yeah, none of it was kind of planned. It just kind of kind of ended up here really, but all started just by being curious. I think that's a really great word yeah, is you're right. if you're a coach, you should be curious and, and you should want to do right by your clients. You should want to always reevaluate what you're doing with them and if it's working. Um, and yeah, it's, it's led me here, but I can't say when I got PT qualified at 18, it was ever the intention because I didn't know yeah. that it was even a thing. So how could it have been the goal? Um, that's amazing. So yeah, here we are. Well, it's it's amazing to to have, especially just you know more men talk about it, which is why I, I love the boys at the gym because you know we have forced them into it to some degree mm. to because our demographic is you know it's it is women of maybe perimenopause or menopause or or younger girls you know that maybe do need to consider how they feel during a cycle and if you can't have those conversations as a coach, it's just a barrier, yeah. right? Like. It doesn't mean to say that every woman's going to feel comfortable enough to go, do you know what? I'm coming on like tomorrow and, and they're going to have that level of self-awareness or even want to have mm. that with you as a coach, but they should feel comfortable enough to have that or yeah. to be honest in... They should know the options there. Yeah. And I think it's a shame that, that for so long we haven't. And even as women, you know, we're still... T it's still... Re I don't... Is it taboo? I, it's gotten so much better, but I still don't think it's a commonly discussed thing. No. Um, yeah. If you look at my WhatsApp messages, though, it's definitely commonly discussed. Not a big deal. Oh, great! Just, uh, I love you know, that. All female clients. Are, uh, oh, because, nice. Because half of them are coming to me with that being the goal now. Okay. Which yeah, is crazy. Great. It's I, I do have HA. I've got PCOS. I've mm. got really bad PMS, and that's which is nice to see. It's like okay, my goal is improving that, mm. as opposed to they come to me not being aware of that. I've got this weight loss goal. And then I'm like, oh, but you've also got this thing over here. Don't get me wrong, I still get that. But a lot of the time, the, the health is actually what they're coming in with. So yeah, yeah I, I'm obviously looking at it through a narrow and a biased lens. But to me, it's not taboo at all to be having those conversations. It's literally my that. WhatsApp on a, on a daily basis. <laughs> That's great. How, how is the, the culture at March on? Do the guys kind of like understand it a bit do they try and chat with members about it do you have any systems in place in your classes to facilitate it or is it just kind of like we're here to chat about it if if you need yeah absolutely i mean i think you know the boys have such a great relationship with the, with the, the female clients and obviously men, men as well but it, it's that familiarity aimer always makes me laugh because he'll just ask that question sometimes you'll be like yeah maybe it is like you take that sort of like mm. Yes, I'm going on my cycle. It's not the answer to everything. So sometimes it's 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 cute and, and funny to sort of see them talk more about it, and I love that. Um, so yeah, they're educated, you know. Like, Eamon had a massive um, part in. Uh, we we developed like a, a menstrual uh, cycle guide for for HQ and just uh, for women, just to give them that knowledge on sleep and how it affects, you know, their training or it can affect their training. Um, but every every woman is different and every cycle is different and you don't, you know, uh, in the beginning I probably was a little bit more like, this is how you're going to feel in the luteal phase and the follicular phase yeah, and it's just, just like... You can't do that, can you? Exactly. So I think I was a little bit so excited by the evidence and the nutrition I got maybe a bit carried away in the beginning and now I'm like, no, just because you feel that way doesn't mean they are just because, you know, mm. they get tired at the, in day one of ovulation doesn't mean that... that, that, that um, that they are going to feel the same or there's going to be changes even with strength and muscle growth, right? There's no yeah. evidence to support that that does actually change. The cycle is just one variable that yeah. affects it, isn't it? You know, exactly. someone someone's 
might not have any other stress or any other issues in their late luteal phase and they feel great and mm. then three weeks later their boss is being horrible this goes wrong that goes wrong yeah and their app tells them this is going to be the best week of training you're <laughs> yeah. awful and it's just right it's only one element of what actually affects your strength and performance so yeah which is why tracking it is, is really useful i don't know if you're familiar with wild.ai mm-hmm. um yeah great app that's kind of what i use with my clients i, I find nice. that really useful yeah no yeah well there, there, there are some amazing yeah apps but you should be surprised how little women actually do track their cycles. Mm. So we, you know, we're ambitious to think that we're even at that point. So many just don't actually know what what part of the cycle they're at. Yeah. Or maybe they're on, you know, birth control and they don't have a natural cycle, so they they question that or how that changes the game for them. It's it's you know it's so complex. Yeah, it really is. And then what type of birth control is it hormonal? Yeah. Is it not? There's there's a lot to it. Um, but yeah, but, but one very large part of my onboarding process is is education on that. So you know where you're at in this, I guess, continuum of if you've Great. got HA over there, you know, then Ollie, maybe PCOS, PMS, whatever, mm-hmm. right, all the way to birth control. It's where, where do you sit on that? That that for me is really important. So nice. yeah, it's great to hear that, that, you know, you've got that guide and you use that with members. And yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it just gives them more insight into to maybe how they might feel with their training in the sessions, I guess, for the for the guys as well, to be able to have those conversations if they notice things like you did, you know, a client doesn't perform as maybe as they expected or it's, you know, we're peak, trying to peak in a strength week and it's actually not, you know, going to be the best week for them. So to have that conversation. Um, we also have a lot of, com- com- not competitors, but our demographic, you know, they are athletes and, and that's a, a thing in itself is, well, what day is comp day? And you kind of, does that need to change anything and how are they going to feel so yeah it's a lot a lot of yeah the one percent can matter can't they when you're trying to compete at that level yeah but even for the everyday female they you know they can really care about their strength performance Mm. and uh, especially in kind of crossfit boxes you know they care about that and obviously a lot of them care about scale weight so when you do have this thing that might influence and fluctuate that Mm. yeah i think it's really important to have some education on that because it can be the difference between you're not beating yourself up you know, yeah. which obviously is always nice and if you're not beating yourself up unnecessarily because then you'll just get into that vicious cycle of everything we've been speaking about today with how you view yourself mm. and sabotage and identity yeah you're so right even with the fluctuations of scale weight each week of the cycle yes still a woman will pursue fat loss and expect that to be reflected on the scale yeah. like, no that's progesterone no that's estrogen that's your boss being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the chocolate, extra chocolate you wanted emotionally. So when it comes to fat loss and a goal, sometimes we still don't even apply the female physiology to mm. the, to that. Yeah. It's still a disconnect. I I think that, yeah, the industry hopefully will get better at that over the next few years because, yeah, obviously you implement it with your coaching, I implement it with my coaching, more and more coaches are. So hopefully it will become the standard and the norm and, and females will expect that, Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers yeah, crossed. Exactly. Well, you're doing your part to try and try and change that in the industry. So that's all we can all do at the end of the day, isn't it? And, and hopefully, it'll, hopefully it will get there. But there was so many incredible questions, reflections <laughs> in, in there. Um, th- thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, that's been great. Yeah, I, I learned, I've learned a great amount just from following you on social media. So I really appreciate you coming here today and, and sharing thank that. You. And I've learned a lot more. So thank you so much for your time, Didi. Um, before we finish up, though, I would love to just know a little bit more about the services you offer and what you're doing at March On and where people can find out more about those. Sure. Well, my Instagram handle, probably didn't think too much about this when I first did it a long time ago, but it's Diddles for Rizzle. So, um, 
do your best to find that. It's not put it in the, the show notes. Yeah, so put it in the show notes. Linked. Show notes. Everything's in the show notes. Yeah. Um, so it's Diddles Frizzle. Um, my email is dd at marchon.co.uk. I obviously work, work for Marchon as, as head of nutrition there. Um, we also have Sammy, who's um, an absolute superstar and specializes more in, in performance nutrition and our athletes who are amazing. So you can find me there. I offer one-to-one coaching. Um, I generally tend to work with, with clients for a minimum of, of three months because that's just the, the best time I can get them results in to be honest so I, I one-to-one um mainly at this point in terms of coaching we are also in the middle of an fla which is our fat loss accelerator course so you will have to wait for information on the next intake of that but uh you can apply for coaching in my bio or drop me an email if you have any questions off the back of this i guess perfect so what people do on these i don't know yeah. i'm not very Great. I'm not particularly good at the whole. We'll, uh, we'll get that little interactive worksheet together as well. So I'll take all your best questions out of this and, and, oh, okay. and link that in there. And then cool. if anyone's listening, get some value out of completing those questions and, and kind of developing that awareness, then maybe they can they can let you know and, and drop you a thank you for that. Absolutely. That would be cool for them to do. Is there any exciting project or event you've got coming up this year, personally or, or professionally at March on that we should keep an eye out for? Oh, well, I'm speaking at Performex uh, next That's month. That's exciting. I'll be there. Oh, will you? Oh, yay. Oh, I'm terrified for my talk. Are you? It's anti-transformation, transformation coaching. Okay. I like like it. I wish I'd come out of that tagline. I am terrified. Because of the people or the topic? Because of the topic. Right. Anti-transformation, transformation coaching. Like it's, it's everything that's wrong with the nutrition and fitness industry is the title of the talk. So I'm, I'm. That's a big statement. Yeah. I'm excited for it, nervous for it. Sammy's doing one on, um, yeah, p- performance nutrition, and I it's gonna it's gonna hopefully be a great a great day. Uh, no, I'm hopefully, I'm sure it no, will, it will be. be. It will be confidence, yeah. yeah. It looks like a great event. There's some solid speakers. Obviously, yeah, both you and Sammy are there. This will be out hopefully just before then if we can oh, cool. so i guess we'll get performex tickets in the in the, the yeah. link in there as well if they are still available i believe there's still some as it stands yes um because we just grabbed some more yesterday but yeah nice group of us coming up so i'm sure we'll, we'll see you there and i really look forward to your talk cool we can have a reunion then yeah perfect we'll, like uh, we'll 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 see how the how the talk how the talk goes down <laughs> fingers crossed i think it'll be well received people are starting to understand this you can mess people out of a transformation it's a so. bold crowd to try and do it to but mm. oh why not? What will go be really interesting home. is who they put on before and after you. I should probably have checked that. <laughs> that will be interesting how they like sandwich it with the other with the other talks. Yeah. It'll be like UK leaving prep coach on how to get shredded and then it'll be eat. <laughs> oh, Sam will be there. I'll, I'll employ her as bodyguard for the for the, for the talk. Um, she'll, she'll protect me. I'll get one of the guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, bring bring Ollie in. Yeah. And, yeah, I think you'll be okay. That'll be there, won't they? They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're speaking, so... <laughs> Nice. Yeah, nice. Looks like a good event. Any other events coming up this this year, or anything um, else that you're up to? Uh, not particularly. I mean, we've got a million obviously competitions. We've got you know NFGs and um, turf games. So there's a lot going on from from the competition, the training mm. aspect of things. Um, but for nutrition, we're just focusing on, on obviously working with people one to one, helping them as individuals kind of get towards their goals, and whether that's performance, fat loss, or muscle growth, and yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely exciting. The the brand's obviously growing massively mm. at the minute. Yeah, March on are doing great things. We'll be sure to get all of that in the show notes. And uh, obviously, as I think I mentioned to you, we plan on using the, the gym mentorship service ourselves. Um, when we can finally sign the the, the lease deal, uh, we, we'll be working with you guys on that, which is exciting. exciting so yeah. yeah, love the brand. You're doing great things. And we'll get all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what people think of you sharing all of those insights. Well, 
I hope they enjoy listening. I'm sure they will. <laughs>